stars, but I'm gonna make it stars for Jesus. You want them to be the Jackson Five? No, they better than the Jackson Five. You gonna sing for the Lord, you gonna lay down for the devil. You don't just sell the songs, you sold your future. You sold your sister's future. All we ever did was what you wanted us to do. Did you ever ask us what we wanted? Right, ladies, it's your time. She's not gonna stay in this house, but I do like that. You brought the sunshine. You just gotta be ready. You gotta be perfect. Our album is number 20 on the been nominated for Best Soul Gospel Performer. These are Clark Sisters. Grammy nominations and number one album. You came, you came on. That's how it's done. Hi, I'm Clarence Waldron. Welcome back to Black Muse. But before we get started with tonight's special guest, I really want to give a special thank you and acknowledgement, if you will, out to Howard Sandifer and his wife, Darlene. They are the founders of the Chicago West Community Music Center on the west side of Chicago. And this whole video podcast was their idea. They said, why not have lively conversations with celebs and newsmakers? So in keeping with that, tonight promises to be a lively conversation. Our special guest, is Miss Sylvia L. Jones, a former broadcast journalist and now a successful, widely successful screenwriter. Oh, her credits are very impressive. The, the biggest one for me, the feature film, The Clark Sisters, The First Ladies of Gospel. Oh my God. But unlike, unlike other people, she does not rest on her laurels. Even right now, she's writing for the Power spinoff called Force, and that features the guy whose name is Tommy. Hmm, there's something with Tommy, but she'll tell you about that as well. But also, keeping it moving, she has a NBC gig that, that she's uh, working on now. She's writing and producing for the Endgame on NBC on Monday nights. So without further ado, y'all, get your popcorn. We're going to Hollywood, y'all, with Sylvia Jones. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here. I, I'm listening to that intro and I'm going, wow, who is he talking about? Wow. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> so, but now you were a broadcast journalist, you know, before. How did you switch to TV and film writing? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, and a whole lot of craziness. Um, I had, um, I had, I, I'm going to be honest, I was not as prepared as I probably should have been. Um, but it was one of those things I always had deep in my belly that I wanted to be a TV writer. And that was as far as the dream went that I wanted to be in a writer's room. I wanted to see if I could, you know, write TV. That's something that I've wanted to do for, um, as, for as long as I can remember. Um, even in college, but I didn't have a roadmap for it. I didn't have, um, I didn't have anybody to say, here are the steps, here's what you do. Um, so I thought 
fool that I was uh, as a college student, I thought that going into broadcast journalism was the safe route. I thought I could do that. Um, and it turns out I did it. I was successful. I had the, a great career, but boy, did I have no idea that there is absolutely nothing safe about uh, a career in broadcast journalism. Um, but I got to a point where I was 20 plus years in. Um, I jokingly say that I had a midlife crisis, but Honestly, it's not that much of a joke. Um, I got to a point where I really needed to press the reset button. And I started asking myself if there's anything I could do, um, if money were not an object, if fear were not a factor, what would I do? And I went back to that old college dream of, I wonder if I could make it in Hollywood. Now, I was scared to do it at 20 something with you know nothing on the line. Now cut to I'm 40 something with everything on the line. And I was like, you only live once. If not now, then when? Um, and so I still didn't have the courage to just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just move to LA with you know $200 in a dream. Um, so I started quietly looking around for a program, like, cause I'm, I'm an academic, like I like teach me how to do this. So I found this program at UCLA that was, um, I call it an MFA light because it's a 10 month boot camp screenwriting program. And I told myself, if I get accepted to this job, to this program, I'm gonna blow up my life. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna leave my house. I'm gonna leave all of it and I'm going to LA. You know, um, and I didn't tell people, I didn't tell anybody. I, I was just like, this is just between me and God. This is gonna be my little thing. I got my acceptance letter literally like two weeks before it was time for class to start. And I had to decide if I was going to, you know, let my let 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 my money match my mouth, you know. Um, and so I again I was like, why not? The worst that could happen is that I could fail. And you know. I failed before, you know, I, I, I'll fail again. So um, I decided to do it. I quit my job. I told my family, told my friends. So many people thought I was having a mental break, you know, <laughs> thought they needed to maybe wow. step in and have a little intervention for me because, you know, what in the world am I doing leaving this good, good job at ABC7 Chicago to go to LA, Hollywood? You know, that's not for you. Um, and I said, well, I'm going to try it anyway. So I went, um, I joined the program and the program was great, um, but it, there was no job, no, you know, no, no job. It wasn't like a fellowship or an internship or something. So I still don't have a roadmap. So I started knocking on doors, networking, doing, I started producing my career. Everything that I had learned how to do in journalism uh, to get in front of the right people um, and do the right things. Um, make the right connections. I did until finally I got what many people laughed at me when they heard and thought was just, you know, I thought it was greatest in the world, but I got a job as a production assistant on the show Criminal Minds Beyond Borders on CBS. Um, and for people who don't know the industry, there's intern and then there's production assistant. Like, <laughs> that, I mean, the, you can't go any further down the bottom uh than a production like that's the that's the entry level position um and not only was i a production assistant i wasn't even anywhere near the writer's room i was in the props department you know and so people were like you got that but you're so, but you you know you you've been as you and i'm like 
I was so excited. I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm on my first set, you know, I'm in TV y'all, you know, I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm on my way and it didn't bother me starting at the bottom. You know, humility has never been an issue for me. You know, I'm like, I may be at the top of the heap over there, but I'm starting off over here and I know what I can do. So I know I won't be at the bottom long that much. I knew. So I got in that job and it just snowballed one thing after the other things just started lining up. And before I knew it, I was here. So that was, that's how I made the transition. So how, how did you get the opportunity to write the, the Clark Sisters film? How did that come okay. about? Well, that, that, something to it. that was also, um, I'm telling you, it was just kismet, God ordering my steps, uh, you name it. So I, I told you, I got that job on, um, as the PA in the props department on Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. So as that job was nearing its end, you know, I started hearing this four letter word that was not a part of my vocabulary, uh, rep. And I'm like, rap, wait, wait, what is, what is going on here? And it's like, oh, well, the season about is about to wrap and everybody is about to go their separate ways. And I'm like, well, I, what am I supposed to do now? News, I, I've been working in news all this time. News doesn't wrap. It just keeps going. We don't wait for a season renewal and a pickup and what, you know, is it going to be in the trades? No, we, what am I, you know, do you know how hard it was for me to get this one job? What am I supposed to do? And so people told me, why don't you just hang around the other production assistants? they'll be able to tell you where the next production assistant job is. And I thought, well, that's a great idea if I want to be a production assistant again, but I never want to be that again in my life. I want to be a writer. That's what I came out here to do. So I thought logically, if hanging around the pr production assistants would help me find a production assistant job, if I hang around writers, that might help me get a writer job. So I asked for a meeting with the head writer, the showrunner, um, he granted me one. Turns out the next show that he was going to work on was The Shy. Um, and when he told me about it, I'm like, The Shy is in Chicago? He's like, yeah, it's this gritty urban drama set on the south side of Chicago. And we've got a bunch of LA writers. We need, you know, people who know Chicago. I'm like, oh, I'm in. So I thought that was going to be my big break and I was going to get a job as a writer. Uh, they were like, no, but you can be the writer's assistant. I'm like, count me in. I'm so excited. I will be, I will assist my behind off. I will do whatever it is that I need to do. At least now I'm in the writer's room. So fast forward, I'm in the writer's room for that show as an assistant. And by the time um, the, sh the writer's room was breaking up and the, the, um, the bosses, we're moving to Chicago to shoot. They asked me if I wanted to come along. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, let me get this straight. I left Chicago to get a career in Hollywood only for my Chicago knowledge to get me a job on a show called The Shy. And you're going to ask me if I want to come back to Chicago to work on set. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a solid yes. I'm, I'm, I'm right back here. Um, and so in the course of that time, I ended up working as writer on set for like three or four episodes, which was a big honor, a big deal. One of the directors who I worked with for one of the episodes um, had no idea that I was a newbie. Um, she's like, you're one of the best writers I've worked with, bar none, period. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll take that, you know? 
fast forward to I'm on another show and I get a call out of the blue from one of the produced from a producer saying, hey, we're working on this project. Um, she said, first, have you have you ever heard of the Clark sisters? And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait, 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 slow down. <laughs> you just asked me if I ever heard of the Clark sisters, you know, wait, that's blasphemy in my house, you know. And so, uh, so we talked and she said, well, we have a green light for to do a biopic at on the Clark sisters. Um, we've had several scripts, um, and we, you know, Lifetime really wants to do the movie, but just haven't found a script that they really like. And we were, your name came up. What turns out one of the directors that I had worked with on the shy recommended me because this producer had been calling around trying to see if anybody had recommendations for a writer who might be good for this particular project. And she mentioned mentioned my name. Um, and so she said, you know, I just wanted to check with you, see if you were interested, if you'd want to, you know, pitch on the movie, you'd have to first pitch it to me. If I like it, then we'd send you to the, the studio execs at Lifetime. You'd have to pitch it to them. Then it would ultimately be their decision as to whether or not you get the job, if you can write the movie, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yes, yes, and more yes. Meanwhile, I'm Googling how to pitch a movie. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I, you know, because I had never, you know, this is not in my wheelhouse, but I certainly was not about to let the opportunity pass. Um, and so I went through all the steps, pitched all, all of the execs. They loved it. Um, the highest compliment I have gotten to date is when I turned in my first draft of, um, of the movie, the, the exec at Lifetime said, oh my goodness, now we actually have a script that we can make. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And so, you know, a whole lot of hoops to jump through from there, but it, I didn't even realize how big of a deal it was at the time to not only be asked to write a movie, mm -hmm. um, but to write a movie that actually gets made and gets on the air anywhere. Okay. Um, so many writers never get that opportunity in their whole careers. And for me to have had that happen within the first, what, two years? Yeah, within the first two years that I was in LA, um, incredible, incredible. Like, oh. I, there's no other word, just incredible. Wow. So now, <laughs> is there a favorite scene from the, uh, from the movie that you, <laughs> that you enjoy looking at and said, that's some great writing there. Yeah, so. <laughs> It's funny. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Do I have a favorite scene? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I have favorite lines, and I think probably my my favorite line is when um, uh, Maddie says, "Are you going to sing for the Lord or lay down for the devil?" I think that's probably my favorite line. Um, maybe my favorite scene is the scene when Twinkie and her mom have the altercation on the on the stairs um because it's such a hard scene it's such a it's such a hard scene and that was the moment that first of all a lot of people didn't know about it a lot of, and I, that's probably one of the scenes that that people the most people came back and asked me did that really happen or was that creative license and it, it was something that that happened um 
And in my mind, that was the moment that broke Maddie's heart. And and um, Dr. Maddie Moss, not, we're not on first name basis. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> um, but that was that was that was the moment that broke her heart, and it broke it broke my heart. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think I don't know if favorite is the right word because you you want something that's you know uplifting, but for me that was probably the most emotional uh, scene. Just just diving into that, knowing that Dr. Clark had so much writing and that was probably the point that, um, you know, that, that, that was a, that was a real turning point for, for Dr. Clark. So, um, and for, and for, and for, uh, Ms. Twinkie. So, uh, yeah, that, that scene probably always gets me a little bit. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now the film resonates with black women. What do you hope people will get from seeing it now? It's on um, Prime, Amazon, and on in DVD. You know. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I I, I don't know. I, I it, it's I, I feel like I should at this point I should have like a, a a set answer for what I want people to get, and I don't have one. And I think because when I wrote the movie, so much of it resonated with me. Um, you know, there are parts of me and parts of my family and people that I know in that movie. Um, I am a person who firmly believes that uh, the one heart reaches another heart. And so I feel like when I was writing, I was putting so much of my heart in it and, and where it met other people was at different, you know, people, wherever their heart was. I mean, I remember when it first aired and I started getting calls immediately from friends and family and so forth. And I mean, first I was just excited that they liked it, but I was blown away by some of the things that they were saying to me that resonated with them that I'd be lying if I said, oh, this was my intention. Um, it just it just speaks to where you are. Like one of the comments that I got that still stands out, one of my the oldest friends called me afterwards and she said, Sylvia, I just had to tell you, I just she has two daughters, college age. She said, I just, we just spent like an hour talking after watching this movie together. She said, This is this is this changes the way I'm going to parent from here on out. Wow. What? A movie? <laughs> A movie changes this is going to change the way you parent like and I didn't even go through the the well, well how were you parenting before and what like I didn't, yeah. but apparently yeah. there were things in that movie that you know had her daughter say things to her maybe you know and she's you know I mean but it, it struck it it struck a chord and yeah you know, she saw some things in herself. I don't know, positive, negative or whatever, but the fact that it could get mothers and, and that was something I heard a lot that people were telling me they watched it with their mothers or they went and watched it again with their mothers or that kind of thing. It was very much a mother daughter. Um, and I think remains a mother daughter kind of bonding um, things. And I think just the fact that if it gets people talking, if it gets people thinking, um, I've done my job. 
that that's what I want people to get. I don't want to, um, I don't want to force anything on anybody. Um, I, I've had people ask me, well, it's a, it's a faith movie. So you, and I was like, actually, when I wrote it, I never, I was not thinking about it as a faith movie. Um, I think of it as a family drama about women who happen to be women of faith. Um, it was not, I never wrote a word with the idea of I was crusading or trying to convince anybody to do anything. I do think that you must be dead inside if you listen to that music and you don't feel something stirring up on the inside of you. You got to be, you got, you need to check yourself if you don't feel something. But, um, but you know, it was like, for me, this is a family drama that happens to be cloaked around gospel music and faith and so forth. And if it, that thing reaches out and snatches you, then, oh my God, that's on you, you know, uh, great. But that, that was not necessarily the intention. I was writing from my heart and there are a lot of other hands that also went into it. I cannot for a second say, oh, this was a Sylvia effort and Sylvia alone. There are a lot of other hands, a lot of other, other people, you know, um, um, with notes, with writing, with all kinds of things, all, everybody serving up their A game trying to make this a movie that would really um really touch people's spirit and for me that's as that's as much as i want i wanted to touch people's spirit wherever they are yeah you did that you did that you did that so Thank now let's talk about you you're from chicago um where'd you grow up and what schools did you attend and all of that um, I, I am from Chicago. Um, I, we moved around, we were always on the South side, moved around, um, a few, a few times, but I think I probably, um, identify home most as the Auburn Gresham neighborhood. Um, that's where I spent the most time. Um, I went to high school on the West side at Providence St. Mail, um, Providence St. Mail. If I tried to let Providence St. Mail go, I, it wouldn't let me go. So... <laughs> No way. No way. So I am forever its own, its own, and it will always be mine. Um, uh, I went to Hearst for a grammar school over on 46 and, and Le Mans, um, so I've been kind of all over. But uh, yeah, that's why I said I'm born and raised South Side, but the West Side always claims me. So, uh, and I claim it. Cool. Now, did you grow up in church? Oh, God, yes. Um, Tell me about that, yes. I, you know, I don't, I think that was a, a, not to harp on the Clark sisters, but aside from just being a fan, when I, when that project came upon me, um, so much of just their story resonated with me just in terms of demographics. I mean, having a, a strong mother who was steeped in faith, bound in the church, um, you know, Stallworth determined to make sure her daughter, and I'm one of four daughters, um, making sure that we were, you know, that we were in church, that we had the gospel, that we, you know, went a certain way and didn't stray. Um, all of that made sense to me. <laughs> you know, when I, when I, you know, saw Dr. I mean, aside from having the phenomenal voices and becoming world-class singers around the world, I mean, they're just like us, you know, um, you know, just so much of that resonated with me because that was, you know, in many ways, my mother was um, a lot like Dr. Clark and just, you know, it's, 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 you're going to be in Sunday school, you're going to be at church, you're going to be at choir rehearsal, you're going to be at revival, you're going to be, you don't have time to get in trouble and do any of those other kinds of things, because this yeah. is the way to go. Um, and I'm so glad she did. You know, I'm so glad she did. 
Yeah. I don't know where I would be if she didn't. Yeah. Now, what church were you associated with? Um, a little small church in K-Town, uh, Kefel New Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church is where okay. I, um, where I got my, got my, uh, got my legs. Okay, cool. I love your inspirational quotes. And there's one that really still stays with me. Living like he loves me. Living <laughs> like he loves me. That's, what does that mean? I, I have an idea, but what does that mean? Uh, you know, it can mean so many things. And I think even when I revisit it, it depends on where I am in my life. But for the most part, it means living with high expectation. You know, knowing that I am adopted into a royal family, knowing that if God is, is for me, nobody can be against me. So why, why should I settle for less? Why should I not expect the best to come to me? Why should I let crumbs be all that I can get? I'm the king's daughter. He loves me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, the, the, the person that's, um, you know, the cast out. I'm his daughter. I'm the princess. So why should I, you know, why should I not expect that he's going to protect me? that he's going to make sure that the best things are available to me, that I'm not cared for, that I'm not secure, that I'm not loved, all of those kinds of things. Um, and when you, when you know that, when you know that in your head, in your heart, in your spirit, you mm. walk a little taller, mm. you know? You smile a little bigger, you know? You, 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 you feel, you know, a joy down on the inside that nobody else can take away because you know, you have something that nobody else gave you, you know, it's a, it's a privilege. It's walking in privilege. And that's not about how much money you have in your pocket. That's about knowing who you belong to and who's ordering your steps. And so to me, it, you know, when I say I'm living like he loves me, it's better than living my best life. Cause I trust me, I live my best life. I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> I, I live my best life. <laughs> and part of it is because I know who's on my side. You know, mm. I know that God loves me. If you might not like me, but God loves me. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Now, who inspired you? Would that be just your mother or were there any teachers along the way? Oh my goodness. Um, Yes, there, I mean, there are so many people who inspired me. Um, I, I'm almost afraid to start listing because somebody's going to call me and say, um, Sylvia, <laughs> I didn't hear my name. Um, there are so many people, but I mean, I mean, first and foremost would have to be my late mother who, you know, was just always my biggest cheerleader, my, you know, the person who told me I could do it even if she didn't know how to tell me how, how, for, how I could get there or didn't know um, what to do to get me there. She always had the faith and the confidence that I could. Um, I would definitely have to say Paul Adams, who is executive chairman of Providence St. Mel, um, who was principal um, back in the eighties when I was there. <laughs> Back in the olden days, okay. um, you know, um, he, he told me that I could, you know, I mean, it just, it sounds so simple, but it just, when other people are telling you that you can and they mean it, 
you know, even if, even if you don't see it, not, even if you, you have no idea where, where, how you don't have a map, you don't know um, what step is supposed to come next. When you have a chorus of people who believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself and who yeah. can say, you can do it yeah. and I'm proud of you. Oh my God. It's like, I can't not do, I can't not try. You know, I think of another um, woman, um, her name, late um, Maddie Hunt. She was a woman who was in my church. She directed the little kids choir back when I was a little kid and mm -hmm. watched me grow up. And she was not a woman of means at all. I mean, she, she was definitely not a woman of means, but I remember when I got accepted to college um, and um, this is not a, a, a brag moment. This is just, this is a moment for points. Um, I come, I'm coming from the West side and I got accepted to Stanford university and you know, most of the people in my sphere didn't even have an idea of the scope of what that meant. Um, and this woman, I don't know to this day, I don't know how she did it. I don't know where she got it from, but she scraped up $500 to give me to go to school. Now you might, you know, you with your big ball in that Northwestern might say $500. So, you know, that's, that's not $500 may have, may have well have been $5 million to me and to her, it was such a sacrifice for her to give me $500 to go to school. And it meant so much because even then, and even more now as an adult, I get it, but even then I understood this is seed money. This is, she's planting a seed. She's making an investment and even though I gave her her $500 back years later after, and, and with interest after, uh, after I, you know, grew up and was successful and so forth, but this was a person who was making a sacrifice and she had children of her own and, and bills and all, and, and was ill and had all kinds of other things. I know she, right. this was a big sacrifice. Right. She gave this to me because I'm thinking she's making an investment. Yeah. And anybody who makes an investment is expecting a return. And I knew the only return she wanted was to see me be successful. That was, that was the return she was expecting. And she was putting all that she had on that. Like I'm waiting for my return. How could I not go and how could I not? Like, how could I not be successful? How could I not work my behind off? Yeah. yeah. How could I not? Mm. <laughs> you, mm. she has to be able to see that she didn't make a that she didn't make a foolish investment she has right. to be able to see that that was the right choice she could have she could have bought some mcdonald's stock right right instead exactly. she chose to invest in me in you in yes you. in me yeah, yeah. that yeah. matters yeah. yes <laughs> that's that's the kind of person who inspires me you know i talk about paul adams anybody who knows him knows that this is a man that um you know they say walk softly and carry a big stick he doesn't walk softly he walks hard and he carries a big like he he is not he does not take wooden nickels he does not you know but for him it's all about education it's all he he has this is a person who has put everything on the line he has put his whole life down to make sure that 
kids are successful. Black kids on the west side of Chicago are successful, of which I am one of them. He invested in me. Right. And the only return he's ever wanted was to see me do well. How could I not? How could you not? How could I not? How could I not? You know, I, I can't even list all of the things that my mother did, but I, I'll just say this one thing to, to go back to the Providence St. Mail. Back mm -hmm. in the day, we would get so much homework, like hours and hours and hours worth of homework. And I would be up till one and two o'clock in the morning doing homework. And my mother, bless her soul, my education always exceeded hers. And so I don't ever remember a time that she, you know, like other parents could, you know, sit down and help you with homework or whatever, but she would never go to bed until I went to bed. So the whole house would be quiet. I'd be at the kitchen table doing mountains and mountains of homework and she'd be up making me tea and making sandwiches and, mm -hmm. and asking, you almost done yet? You And I know she had to get up and go to work in the morning, but that was what she could do for support. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm with you, I support you. So none of those things, none of those things I take lightly. I understand that these people, I, I have to give them a return on their investment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, wow. Now, go go up to uh, Medill. How did your degree from Medill help you? Oh my goodness, so much. Well, first of all, I don't regret a second of my career as a journalist. I mean, I spent 22 years working as a journalist and um, did very well. I mean, at the point that I decided to quit, I was traveling the East Coast covering the primaries between um, Hillary Clinton and Trump. Um, so I was not in a, on a downside. I mean, so all of those skills, um, man, they all, they all, um, worked for me, but I'll say this. And, you know, since we've talked so much about the Clark sisters, um, probably, especially since I was so new and so green, when I got that opportunity, I would say my journalism skills actually helped me more than my TV writing skills at that point. Because in doing the research, part of it was I got to interview the sisters. And in interviewing the sisters, um, that was how I pulled out the story and how I got so many of those little tidbits that a lot of people didn't know. I mean, and, and you talk about the Clark sisters, there are fans and then there are super fans. I mean, there are people who you can't tell them anything. They think they know the Clark sisters better than the Clark sisters know exactly. themselves. Exactly. So when, you know, you try to pull, put some new information in there, you know, they're fact checking you. They're trying to see if this is really right. right. Um, but my interviewing skills allowed me to pull out little details, little, little moments that and sometimes they had long forgotten, you know, that I was able to put in the movie that were actually, you know, true things that happened or, um, you know, or, or just knowing how to interview them separately and ask some of them about the same events and recognizing that two people can be in exactly the same place and exactly the same time and have very different perspectives about what happened. Um, yes. And I and I chose moments that I interviewed them accordingly in that way so that when I made the move, when I tried to put together the script, I'd be able to put in a, a number of those different perspectives. So it never felt like felt like a monolith when you were talking about the sisters. That was important to me that each of these women 
had their had their own distinct personality that it wasn't just um mom and sisters but that you saw the relationship between mom and each sister individually that you saw relationships between the sisters themselves that kind of thing um so so a lot of that came from and then just doing the research to to try to get it right um on as, as much as i possibly could so much of that came from Madill you know, from the fundamentals of journalism, you know, that I learned all the way back then and carried through, um, through a two decades long career. I know you get this all the time. Any advice to people who want to do what you were doing, who want to be a screenwriter? Um, well, first I'll say, if you want to be a screenwriter, write. I mean, write, 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 write some more. The first thing you write will probably be terrible. The next thing you write will probably be a little less terrible. Um, eventually, you will write something and it will be, you know, good, then better, then great, then, you know, all those kinds of things. So keep doing it. Um, if you say you're a writer, then write. Um, the other portion of that, though, is, you know, people don't see um, a candle under, you know, hidden under a, a, a bucket or whatever. You have to let your light shine. You have to be out there. You have to, um, uh, I hate using the word network because it sounds so cliche and people are like, oh, network. They think it means going to a party and handing out cards, which it really doesn't. It's, it's about building relationships, um, especially when you're talking about Hollywood and trying to write professionally and um, not, I say write professionally because anybody can write. It's a very different thing to be to write and be paid um, to write. That's that's the difference between being a professional writer and just being a writer. And if you want to be paid, then it's beyond just am I a good writer and are people going to find me or whatever. It's also about building relationships. You know, I, I actually told someone just just recently um, who she I was telling her this and she was not really interested in in hearing what I said and she snapped me off by saying, "Well, you know, um, you know, eventually, you know, the right person will just find me and you know they'll see that my writing is good." I was like, "Well, you know, I can't say that that's not true. I, absolutely, that could happen, but it's." making those connections is the difference between if you've got the next great American script, will some, will the right person open your email when they see your name? Will, will, you know, that, what's that old saying? Um, your, your name will be mentioned in rooms. Your feet will never cross your feet will never touch or something like that. I'm sure I just botched up that uh, thing, but, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So many yeah. of the, just like I was saying, the Clark sisters, so many opportunities that I have gotten have come from word of mouth have come okay. from phone calls that I've gotten from people who I had no idea that I was even on their radar. Um, but they say, oh, so-and-so who you worked with on such and such a project said that I should call you and you might be good for this. Um, that kinds of kind of thing happens. And that comes from um, making connections, being a good person, being someone that people, um, uh, uh, want to work with and want to be around, you know, showing that you have integrity, all of those kinds of things. And I get it. Most writers are introverts. We want to just kind of be, you know, into ourselves and write our scripts and, and mind our business and keep our noses clean and our heads down. And I get it because I'm, I'm exactly that person, but I understand that nobody's going to see what I'm doing. If I'm just, if I keep it all to myself, I have to be, have the courage to put it out there. So um, 
I could go on and give lots and lots and lots more advice, but I'll I'll leave it there. You know, keep writing and have the courage to get out there and make connections so that people will see it. Cool. Winding down here. This is um Women's History Month. How should we celebrate Women's History Month? Um, you know, my answer to almost everything is education. And mm -hmm. so when I say um when I think about women's history and celebrating women's history, I say first educate yourself so you know, you know, many of the, the contributions that women have made, are making, et cetera. Secondly, I say educate yourself to pay homage to those women because so many of the women, whether they are like the women who I described, who are my you know, personal muses who, you know, may not have gone as far in education as, you know, maybe I have, but they pushed me, you know, um, to, to do so. It's a way of honoring them. And so I said, especially to young people all the time, educate yourself, you know, um, get all that, all that there is out there available to you. The more you know, the more you grow. Um, and I don't think there's a woman alive who will be, um, who will not be happy and proud to see you soar. Um, so for me, the best way to, to celebrate women is to, you know, first educate yourself and know who they are. Um, secondly, educate yourself for the purpose of being educated, to make them feel proud. Um, that's, that's, that's how I do it. All right. Last question. What's next for you? Anything coming up that you can share with us right now or? Um, well, unfortunately, not much that I can share. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a number of things brewing. Um, and I'm waiting to see kind of what boils to the surface first. Um, I'm excited about a number of different projects and it's just, a, it's just a matter of seeing what topples over. I will say um, one of the projects and I'm very, very excited about will uh, bring the band back together. Uh, some of the people who were, uh, some of the players from the Clark sisters movie um, are, kind of uh banding together and uh we've got a, a a little something that uh if we can get a green light on it we think that the people in folk might enjoy uh because we like it uh so it's got a long way to go before it uh before you know we get to where we need to get but uh, i'm particularly excited about that one so stay tuned well i really enjoyed meeting you and talking to you anything else that you want to share with us at all I'm just I, it has been an honor and a privilege to be a part of black muse i'm um i'm thrilled and humbled that you all would put me in the company of such other great women as part of your women's history um lineup um it's just i, I just i'm grateful i say thank you well thank you thank you for your time i really appreciate it at my pleasure